Namaste. <laughs> okay, take two. Namaste, Tohansundia National National Public Radio Planet Money Program. Woohoo! <laughs> That's right. Namaste. You are listening to NPR's Planet Money in Hindi. I'm Alex Bloomberg. Today is Friday, April 23rd, and this is going to be one of a few podcasts about India from our very own David Kestebaum. Hey, David. Hey. Uh, yeah, I was in India for a wedding, and I decided to stay an extra week and bring back some stories. So the man you heard at the top was Santos Kumar. He was my very friendly and competent taxi driver in Delhi. And our Planet Money indicator today comes from him. It is 150 rupees. 150 rupees. Why, that's a... Uh, hold on one second. Let me just pull up my Planet Money currency converter. Oh, Yeah, $3.30. That, Santos tells me, is how much it costs to bribe a cop. So what kind of illegal activity is your taxi driver involved in, David, that he needs to bribe cops? Well, I'll tell you. He parks illegally. (laughs) Sometimes he says he'll pull over to the side of the road to buy some cigarettes or something, and a policeman will come up and offer him this choice. Like, hey, buddy, you're parked illegally. I'm going to write you a ticket for 200 rupees unless, you know... You pay me a bribe. About uh, 150, just like... 150 rupees. 150 rupees. And how much money do you make in a day sometimes? Only 150. So that would be your whole salary for a day? (laughs) It's our whole salary. That's terrible. Yeah, very terrible. So the picture I'm getting, David, is that bribery is everywhere in India. And I'm wondering, does, does your taxi driver himself... Santos, does he get a bribe from anybody? Does he get to extract a bribe from anybody? No, sadly, no. He says he is the end of the line. Um, In fact, I felt so bad I found myself suggesting ways he could extract a bribe from me. Like he could pretend to be lost and say, (laughs) maybe I could find your uh, guest house. uh... That's very sad. It's sad actually about both of you. (laughs) All right. But let's let's look at this bribe without making moral judgments. Just look at the numbers, right? The bribe here, it actually saves Santos some money, right? The ticket would have been 200 rupees, and he only has to pay 150 rupees if he pays a bribe. And that is the topic for today's show, the economics of bribery. Is bribery always bad? Uh, When is it bad? And when does it maybe, I don't know, serve a purpose? So we don't mean to pick on India for this. Bribery and corruption exist at some level in a lot of countries, also our country. And there are these international corruption surveys we've talked about a lot on the podcast. And India usually comes out somewhere in the middle of the pack. I think India is interesting to look at because it has this huge, famously tangled democratic government. And it's not uncommon to have to fill out multiple pages and pages of documents to get something kind of small done. So there's a lot of red tape, a lot of people looking for ways to cut red tape, which is a ripe environment for bribery. And pretty much everyone I talked to in India, business owners, you know, ordinary folks, they all had some story about having to pay a bribe at some point. But today I'm going to play you my favorite. It comes from Gagan Singh. So he's this really sweet guy. Um, he's a Sikh. So imagine the beard and the big turban. He has a gap tooth smile. And he says when he was growing up, he always wanted to be an artist. But his parents said, no, no, Gagan, being an artist, that is not a good career choice. Here are your options. You can be a certified accountant or you can be a very successful businessman. <laughs> so, so Gagan decided he'd get a, a kind of business degree, but he says the degree does not prepare him for doing business in India. Oh, I wish it did, but it had nothing to do with reality. Nothing at all. I mean, had I even did four years of MBA here, what happens on the street has no link with the studies. You know, it's like 
you can just burn all the books. <laughs> so Guggen is about 22 years old at the time, and he borrows some money from a bank. He hires four people, and he sets up this tiny business. And the business is that he's going to deliver phone and internet service to people's houses and uh, and companies. So if I'm like an internet cafe owner in India, I want my internet connection and a phone, I would call him up and he would come string the cable to the phone network and the internet and make the connection and, and bill me. That's his business. Yeah, yeah. It involves a lot of little steps. Like he had to dig up the road in some places. You have to lay cable. Sometimes you string the cable overhead. And all this required getting a bunch of documents and licenses from the government. And he doesn't get too far in all this before he has to pay a bribe. His very first bribe. His first bribe. So he goes to a government office and he needs a signature on this thing. And paying the bribe is this really intense experience for Guggen. And he has an incredibly detailed memory of it. I still remember the guy whose name was Hossein. And I walked into his office and I was looking at his chappals, his, you know, chappals, slippers that he's wearing, yeah. His shoes, the, the trousers that he's wearing, the look that he's got on his face, how he just goes through the diary where he has to sign. He's chewing tobacco in his mouth. He's very cool, ultra cool about it. I look all around his offices and there is this broken down cooler and fan running at a very distance. He's sitting in a very dingy room and then he, then he waits for the others to go. It's in the evening. They start to go out. I'm sitting. He's just starting. How am I? How is everything? And I'm like, you bastard. I know what you want. But I'm like, I'm like, yeah, sir. I'm okay. You know, I was you know, I hope. How are you? Please come to my office sometimes. And he opens the file. We go through it. And then finally, you know, I've got this, uh, like a suitcase. <laughs> suitcase. So I take it out. And uh, just between the files, I have it. And I pass the file towards his side, and he he doesn't open the file. He he takes it and very you know very calmly, very coolly, without even pretending that there's any money. He looks at it, puts it in his suitcase, and he's like, "Yeah, okay. Where do I need to sign?" And uh, you know, okay, huh? Okay, that that that's it. And please have your tea. Please have some cookies. And I was like, "Yeah, thank you." So, how did it, how did it feel doing that? I felt really bad because I felt that if I have paid the license fee and I've paid for the equipment, I'm paying salaries and I'm and I'm paying proper money everywhere. Why are you forcing me to pay money on top and not just one person? I think about 10 to 15 people. You had you had to pay 10 to 15 yes, people. Every person starting from the the lineman to the junior engineer to the senior engineer to their bosses. Yes. Each one had to be fed in because what happens is there are different signatures which are done at different levels. So for each sign, one could ask 10,000, the other could ask 1 lakh. What's 1 lakh? 1 lakh, 1 lakh rupees. That's like 100,000 rupees. 100,000 rupees? Yes, yes yeah. That, now you're talking serious money. Yes, now I'm talking serious money and not even just once. Every time you want to upgrade your system, he could just say, oh, your business is running really well. Uh, the asking rate right now is 3 lakhs, 300,000 rupees. Wow. So, David, I'm pulling out the Planet Money uh, currency converter. 300,000 rupees, that's $6,700. Which is a lot of money, especially in India. So, Gagan is getting really frustrated, and he's still trying to do his art on the side. He starts drawing these kind of angry, funny line drawings, cartoons, 
of him beheading the guys that he has to bribe. <laughs> beheading. Yeah, I wow. said. I said, you know, in the United States, people might worry you're a terrorist. You have the turban and the beard. And he said, yeah, yeah, but look, there's a long, distinguished tradition of beheading in the Sikh legends from the 16th century. You know, the Sikhs are fierce warriors, and we were always outmanned. And so it was like you had one chance to fell your enemy, and you had to really go for it, like cut off the head or the arm or something. And look, this is art. But the point is, Gagan is getting very, very frustrated. It was really clashing with my uh, principles of life. And I thought I'll move away. Then my parents were like, every system in India works on this note. You cannot run away. So Gagan came back and he basically devoted himself to running the business. And he now employs 15 people. And when Gagan and I were talking, I kind of thought this was the end of the story, that it was a story about someone being frustrated paying bribes. It was a nice story that illustrates that bribery can slow down the economy because it makes it more expensive to start a business, which means you get fewer businesses, which means fewer jobs and fewer people pulling themselves out of poverty, getting those jobs. So I was about to turn the tape recorder off when Guggen said something totally surprising. Now, if I have to pay a bribe, I would, without any hesitation, pay it. You would, now, pay, you would pay it. Yeah, I'm now in a different mode. Now I will pay bribes as much as possible, and I would even enjoy the process of paying bribes. Why? Because something internally has happened. <laughs> <laughs> what about your principles? My principles have changed. What are your principles now? <laughs> My principles are just get your things done. Everything is fair in love, war, and business. <laughs> Have you had to pay a bribe recently? Yeah, yeah, we, we just paid. <laughs> you just paid a bribe? Yeah, we just paid a bribe to some manager of a building. We paid him good money because he was harassing us. And I says, here, take this money and just shut up. And he's so happy. And what happens, the best thing about you paying bribe is once you pay it, they become the, the best people for you. They get things done for you. That's the thing about bribes, you know, yes. they serve a purpose. Yes, yes, yeah. They really, on a long term, they're the best people who will get your things done, and they will never, they'll make sure that you never get into trouble. What was he, what control did he have over you? He had some management control over some building, so they said, your wires are running over our building. I'm going to cut them. I said, okay, here's some money for you. Are you happy? He's like, I'm, I'll make sure that nobody cuts them, and even if anybody touches them, I'll cut their balls off. So it's like he starts working for you. What more do you want? <laughs> it's like <laughs> your business grows. And he, he says, I'll get customers for you. How much did you have to pay him? Like 10,000 rupees. Yeah, it's a s- small amount. Yeah, He wanted 25. So we bargained. I sent my manager. I said, you know, settle it. So you paid him a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I guess... What you're saying here, Dave, is there's two sides of bribery. It costs you something, but you actually get something in return. Guggen said he actually had a religious epiphany about this. He went to a temple outside Delhi when he was really upset. And there he decided that he was just going to become like a lotus in a pond, a beautiful flower in what was a very dirty pond. (laughs) But I don't think you need a religious epiphany to justify this. He's making a purely rational economic decision. It does make sense to pay this bribe. It does, yeah. There's actually this quote I came across that I really like about bribery. It's by Samuel Huntington, who was a political scientist at Harvard. Here's a quote. In terms of economic growth, the only thing worse than a society with a rigid, over-centralized, dishonest bureaucracy is one with a rigid, over-centralized, and honest bureaucracy. 
<laughs> Meaning the bad thing is when there is a lot of red tape and no way to cut it. Now, Dave, I know what we're doing here, and I would like to be a contrarian as much as the next guy, and I would love to say that, yes, bribery is good, but I'm not sure I still buy it. Yeah, but look at the taxi driver, right? He would have had to pay a 200-rupee ticket, and that's a, that's arguably set pretty high, right? That's like a day's earnings. Instead, he only has to pay 150 rupees if he pays the bribe. Yeah, I guess so, but still, like, what if the cop is just harassing him for no reason? What if he didn't actually have a parking ticket, you know, and then it's just sort of like a protection racket, you know what I mean? There's two sides of it. Yeah, I know. All right. Let's get an expert in here. <laughs> Hi, my name's Rima Hanna. I'm an assistant professor at the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard. So Rima Hanna is an economist who studies corruption in India, and I found that quote in one of her papers. I asked her, how should we think about bribery? There is actually a large debate among economists about whether or not bribes are actually bad or good for economic growth. Really? Yeah, it's, um, it's a, it is still a huge debate. So, Alex, Rima Hanna has this useful way of looking at bribes. She says it depends on what the rule is you're circumventing when you pay the bribe. So we're used to thinking of rules and laws as basically being good. So if you bribe someone to get around them, that's that's bad. But she says sometimes the rules just don't make any sense. Like if you look at paperwork, how long it takes to get a business started, here are some numbers I found. According to one study – in the United States, it takes six days to start a business. India, 30 days. Suriname, 694 days, which <laughs> I just I think kind of excessive. You can imagine a case where the laws are bad. The laws are going to stifle growth. For example, suppose that business um, has to fill out paperwork that takes two or three years in order to register for a business. Um, as a result, they're not going to undertake that they're not going to undertake that. They're not going to go, uh, go about and actually try to register for a business. But you can imagine a case that if they're able to pay a bribe, they're able to go out there um, and cut a lot of the red tape, get around a lot of the bad laws, and actually it might actually make things in the economy move a lot smoother, and you might actually see more growth because of it. Exactly. And that is why when I start my logging business, I'm going to pay bribes so I don't have to worry about those pesky environmental regulations. <laughs> and if there are people on the land... I can just kick them off by bribing them. All right. Some laws are good. Um, <laughs> I will give you another place you don't really want bribery, the place you go to get your driver's license. No. Yeah. And India has a real problem with this. There is a whole industry of brokers who will help you get a license, a driver's license, in 30 days. No hassle. You pay them about 13 bucks. Rima Hanna studied this, and she says one result is that the people who get licenses, there is no guarantee they know how to drive. As, as part of the study, they, they watched people go through the process of getting licenses, and then they gave them an actual independent driver's test. It was very sad how many people actually couldn't identify a brake and had obtained a license. Couldn't identify a brake? You mean the brake Couldn't pedal? identify the brake or the gears in the car. Wow. Alex, she says the people who were administering the tests, they were actually afraid to go out on the road with these people. So they just gave them a paper test to start with. And a lot of people, a lot of people failed the paper test. Well, David, I'd like to officially welcome you back to New York, our quiet, orderly little city. And we will have more about India, paperwork, poverty on upcoming podcasts. We're going to link to Rima Hanna's paper on driver's license corruption on our blog, npr.org slash money. Also to Gagan Singh's art. He's had a couple shows in galleries. I should issue a warning to our listeners. He's sort of in the R. Crumb artist territory. It's not appropriate for all viewers. There's a lot of uh, 
humping in his art now. <laughs> and you can see all of that at npr.org slash money. Please send us your thoughts, questions, comments to planetmoney at npr.org. I'm Alex Bloomberg. And I'm David Kestenbaum. We're going to go out with the song that Gagan was listening to in the art gallery where he was working when I interviewed him. It's by this band that he and the other artists were really into. They found the band very inspirational. The band is uh, ACDC. Thank you, everyone, for listening.